First time I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want me to tell you all that. But he got caught in 4K. <laughs> I had to ask what he got caught in 4K meant. On the morning show, the Bear 92.5 Cadillac and Donna Jack. Donna knew, of course, because she's hip, cool, and fun. I struggle with all of those things. We'll talk about Coco coming up during this episode of Cadillac Jack, My Second Act. He thinks he's so hard, but, you know, it's not. So thank you guys. I mean, you believed in me from the beginning. I've been coming to this tournament. My dad took me to this tournament, sitting right there watching Venus and Serena compete. So it's really incredible to be on this stage. Um, Plus, what country artist was arrested last Thursday night in Oklahoma by the Oklahoma Highway Patrol? And he got a little salty, a little mouthy. I'm going to talk right now if you let me in the handcuffs. Well, if you don't, it's going to be a mistake, sir. I promise. You know, I know every high point, I know every sheriff in Tulsa. Okay. I let, I let 40 of them go to my VIP show. I let 40 of them go to my VIP show. This cowboy said to the Oklahoma Highway Patrolman, a story that's making headlines this week means we'll talk about it this episode of Cadillac Jack, My Second Act. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to My Second Act, a podcast where we talk about things you're talking about with family and friends. Conversations about pop culture, trends, headlines in the news, music, occasionally some tech stuff. We're not really tech savvy, Donna, but uh, we, we, we pretend like we, we are sometimes. Plus, endearing and revealing conversations about marriage, parenting, and personal growth. Welcome to Cadillac Jack, My Second Act. My name is Donna. I'm Caddy's wife. Okay. Got a little story for you. All right. I'm ready. Story time. I get so, I had mentioned on the podcast or a couple of podcasts ago that I was going to embark on this Everesting adventure. I'm not climbing Mount Everest, but I am very interested in looking into doing these Everesting events. Basically, you can go to four different locations and you recreate climbing up Everest with the number of steps that you take. And the one that I'm looking into is done kind of out in the uh, Midwest. And you walk up a bunch of times and then you take a gondola back down. So they had an information meeting in Atlanta and I went to the meeting. This was last week. And of course I'm coming in on one wheel because I've got a million things going on and I'm always late, which I'm not proud of because I hate people who are late. I mean, I don't hate, hates a strong, a strong word, word, but yeah. I do think it's not a great trait to have. So I go in and there's one seat available at this table and there's like four people at the table sit down listen to the entire Eversting pitch which is fantastic pick up all my information there's an older woman sitting to the right of me so I assumed everyone in the meeting were people who were interested in the event and were there for information and so everybody got and got up and left and I was getting my stuff together and I turned to her and I said um, have you done this before I'm assuming you have it and she said, oh, yes, I have. And she said, my name is Leah. And she said, I have done this four times before. And she said, I'm here just to kind of answer questions. I know you came in late. Mm. Um, but if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them for you. And I started talking to her. Come to find out, Leah is 74 years old. Wow. She is in amazing shape. I mean, had like guns on her arms like a 30, 40-year-old. Sorry, I just fell and I got back up. She works out every morning. She has a boyfriend. 
her husband passed away 10 years ago from cancer. And she was telling me about, we ended up talking for an hour, Cadillac Jack. She's had four boyfriends since her husband passed away. She is just out and about. She's amazing. She lives um, in Sandy Springs. I said, what motivated you to do this? I, I hope I'm in, I said, don't take this the wrong way, but I hope I'm in, I'm in worse shape than you. And I'm 20-something years younger. And she said, well, I didn't start working out until I was in my 50s, Cadillac Jack. Mm-hmm. She said, now I can maintain a plank for like some ridiculous amount of minutes. And she said, I'm in incredible shape and I do all these different things. And she said, but here's what I learned. She said, life is like an ice cube. It's melting. And so it's never too late to do the things you want to do. And she said, for 20 years when I was raising kids, and she said her husband, before he passed away, was an attorney and had a big career. She said, I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to travel to Europe. I wanted to get in better shape. And she said, but I just kept making excuses. I didn't have time. And I would say, I'll do that next year. Or I'll do that when I have more money. Or I'll do that when whatever. And she said, and then I realized life is like an ice cube and it's melting right in front of you. So now is the time to do anything that you want to do. Do not wake up 20 years from now like I did. This is what she's saying. And say, gosh, I wish I had started that 20 years ago. And I thought about it and I was like, so true. Like I have a friend who wants to start a podcast and she keeps saying to me, I just don't know where to start. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And you know, everybody has a podcast. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You need to get going. Now, today, not tomorrow, not after you, you know, get your kids settled, not after you get this done. Do it today. And then I was thinking about it, like, you're, you and your book, where are you at with that? I go in spells with it where I'm very diligent about writing every day. I'll go six months writing every day. And then I'll go for six months and not write a single word. So I'm, I'm in one of those off spells right now. But um, And where are you at? Like the book is, is autobiographical, right? Yes. And where are you at in your life? Uh, all, all stages. No, I know. But I mean, like, what are you up to? Well, it's in not necessarily in, 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 in order of, of age or chronological order, I guess. Okay, it's just gotcha. different stories uh, about different people or different events through my life. It's not in, it's not like birth through passing gotcha. or whatever. Do you have a name? Um, I have some working titles. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where do you house all this? Well, I mean, I have it on my MacBook Pro. Oh, okay. My laptop. Got it. Yeah, it's under Google Drive. Okay. Highly protected. Why? Highly protected. It's very sensitive stuff. Very sensitive stuff. So is your goal to release a book or just to just to write it? Uh, I would like to release it. I think it's tough um, to get published, you know, just like it's tough to get a record. You know, I mean, it's tough to do a lot of things. I don't um, think so. I think to like you nowadays, like Amazon, self-publish. Yeah, you can true. self-publish. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, if you want to be a, you know, I don't know, Pulitzer Prize winning yeah, writer, I you can gra- do that. I, no, but I that's use the point. I use it could happen. But this is exactly what you just said is what keeps people, prevents people from doing things. It's that imposter syndrome or the words in your head. And that's the other thing she was saying. You are your own worst enemy. Not you, Cadillac Jack, but just people in general. 
your thoughts, your intrusive thoughts, your your tape running through your head that you're not good enough or you can't do that or that's not going to work. And what you just said is an example. It's like it's really hard to get published, but it's not. Well, I do also believe that I am my worst enemy, but I, I love working on it. I love writing. Writing is therapeutic for me. It is something I've done all my life. When How I'm in do you it, know when you're done? When I'm in that headspace, I'm in it. You know, I'm like I can't. I'm almost obsessed about it. How will you know when you're done? I have a list of events and people that I want to write about still. Uh, and as I write their chapter, or it's not going to be chapters, but as I write their story, uh, I'll you know cross it out. So I'll probably have a dozen, maybe 18 more to go. Good Lord. Yeah, I've written about uh, probably 12, 13. That many people? Well, it's not just people. It's events. It's people, but it's, it's events in my life or uh, moments in my life or okay. uh, challenges or whatever. Well, I'm excited if I ever get to read it. I think it will be good. Well, you'll get to read it. Now, what's your uh, book going to be titled? We know, right? My Life with the you- Truckers in the Far Right Lane. <laughs> That's and other your stories title. I have a different road. title. Other Stories from the Road. Did you I travel in the title. far right lane with the truckers? Mine is called Off Record. I like that because you're in the music business, right? Well, not really, but that's well, what I'm titling it. Okay. I like that. Have you started? I have. Wow. All right. How far into it are you? Um, I'm about halfway there. Do you use any sort of uh, software like Grammarly? Yes. Okay. It's very helpful. I love it. Yes. It's a lot because I think when you're writing a book where you want to get like thoughts out of your head, you're reliving the incidents, you're reliving the moments, whether they're happy or sad, you know, but it just takes a lot out of you. I think like the best way to do it later is if you get famous and you get a book deal is you just get to tell someone your stories and they write it. That's what I want. I want a ghostwriter. See, I don't want that. Oh, I do. I don't want that. I want to, I want to curate it myself. I love oh, I just words. want to sit on the couch and I just tell the stories. No, I love to write. I love to use words. Hmm. That's see, and that's the difference in everybody. But that's my like, bleh. you know, I just want to like lay on the couch and be like, like, then this person did this. They'll drop their pen. They won't be able to keep going. Drop their what? Like, wait sorry. a minute. You broke up on me there. Drop their what? Yeah, they're going to be like, wait a minute. Let's go back to this. But anyways, I thought the moral of the story is what she said is life is like an ice cube. And right. it is. It's, it's melting. melting. Yep. Um. You never get, and especially on today, we're recording on 9-11. And, you know, I sent the, all of our kids, all three of our kids, a text. And I just said, I just want you to know how much I love you, that, you know, have a great day today. This is the anniversary of 9-11. I like to remind them of these types of things. And what it taught us is no day is given. No day is promised. So make every single moment of every day count. Today was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, (laughs) He doesn't want me to tell you all that. But he got caught in 4K. (laughs) You know, he thinks he's he's so hard, but, you know, it's not. So thank you guys. I mean, you believed in me from the beginning. I've been coming to this tournament. My dad took me to this tournament, sitting right there watching Venus and Serena compete. So it's really incredible to be on this stage. Um, 19-year-old Coco Golf. Atlanta-born, Atlanta native Coco Golf at 19 wins her first major title after winning at the U.S. Open this past Saturday. What a story. The first American teenager to win the country's major tennis tournament since Serena Williams in 1999. So her mom and dad are married. It's Candy and Corey. They've been married 23 years. And her dad played basketball at Georgia State. And her mom ran track and field at Florida State. And 
she was not born Coco. That is a nickname for her. She was born, um, what was her name? Shoot, I'll find it. Anyways, Coco, it was a nickname her dad gave to her. And yes, she was born in Atlanta, born and raised in Atlanta. And she's just adorable. You know, she went to the U.S. Open as a child. Her dad took her there to watch Venus and Serena play. And then here she is winning. Basically, she won the Grand Slam. She won all three, you know. When she said that about her dad, they cut to him in the stands. And he was doing the the, the, the cut, you know, hand motion under your neck, you know, with your, your fingers and your hand. Yeah, like, stop like, talking stop, cut, 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 Yeah, because he really didn't want her to tell that story. Um, yeah. He was very emotional, obviously. To watch his daughter having taken her to to the U.S. Open when she was a young young child, to now winning the damn thing. What an yeah, and I moment. thought the most interesting thing out of what she said was, "I've never seen my dad cry before." And I thought to myself, "That's so interesting because I don't know that maybe dads aren't the same way now. Like in this generation, I never saw my dad cry ever." I think I saw him cry one time. I definitely saw him cry at one of my at a wedding, and maybe Annette's wedding, my sister's wedding. But my dad did not like just openly cry at all. What about you? Uh, I recall seeing my dad, who passed back in uh, November of last year. I, I recall him crying a couple times. You know, my parents divorced when I was in third grade, and that was rough on uh, my sister and I. It, it, it rough on the family, rough on mom, and rough on dad. And I can recall a couple of family meetings. Um, my dad was my dad was emotional. I believe that's fair to say. Uh, I certainly am. I'm a crier. You are a crier. I yep. am. Yeah, you're, but you're interesting. What you cry over? Is it okay? Let's talk about it. Well, no, it's not. No, I don't. I don't have an example. It's not good or bad. Why do I you just think, never saw my dad cry? Why, why do you think that was the case? I just I don't think a lot of people saw their dads cry back in that generation. I think it was kind of assumed that it made men soft if they cried or that they're the, you know, leader of the family and they're not supposed to show this emotion and everything. I think you're right on all counts there. I think that um, you're supposed to be the alpha male. You're supposed to be the alpha of the family and carry the family. And you, you show weakness if you cry, which it, it, it for me, crying is a release. Uh, I get tired after I cry. I like to take a nap after I cry. Um, mm-hmm. I can cry at the drop of a nickel. But you haven't always been that way. No, I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten not softer, but but more um, um, emotionally drained, maybe. What does that mean? Uh, that that, that I, sometimes I struggle with emotions and I can break down. I break down quite a bit. You know, I have uh, moments. And um, I think we all got hit pretty hard during the pandemic. I think we all got pretty hit pretty hard. We're recording on nine 11, as you mentioned, you know, that was tough for, for, for us older folks. If we classify ourselves, even as older folks, but, um, passing of both my parents, you know, in the past year and a half, definitely, um, has taken a toll. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that that, that play into that, I think. But that's what I meant earlier when I said, don't take this the wrong way, but like, I don't think that you didn't cry a lot. With both of your parents. But I think that happens to people sometimes. It's like you're just numb to those emotions when people close to you pass, but then it manifests itself later in other situations. Does that make sense? It does. 
Certainly not. Well, I thought it was interesting, and I love her mom and dad. And she, um, I, I know someone who is uh, works with her a little bit and is up there, and she is a delightful lady. 19-year-old, young lady. Delightful. She has a boyfriend. She likes to keep him very private. Um, and But she did say that she had reached out to him prior to her match just to kind of get some calming advice and that he gave it to her. He's supposedly in college, and she doesn't want him drugged through all the you know what? The limelight right. and everything. Her real name is Corey. Corey. That's C- right. C-O-R-I. Yes. C-O-R-I. Corey. That's right. But everyone who works with Coco says she's super grounded. She is just a basic, not basic, but I mean, she's your average 19-year-old girl, you know, who, like, she's taken the trophy out and taking pictures with it in New York. She put it to, you know... The what's Alicia? The New York concrete um, jungles, you know. And, you and so she, just yeah, like she's her, just, just like her. She's just a great girl, and I think she's a great ambassador for the game, which yeah. is awesome. Well, and, and there'll be a tick, uh, uptick in, in in young ladies and little girls that are interested in playing tennis now too, which is a good thing. Yes, and as it happened with Venus and Serena, it also brings um, all types of people to the sport you know for a very long time tennis and golf whether you want to admit this or not before tiger woods was seen as a very white upscale sport and i think everybody who is competing and 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 just doing amazing things it just brings all types of different people into the sport and it it increases the interest you know which is great this past saturday was the 142nd u.s open and equal pay turned 50 um, Coco picked up $3 million for her win. And that is the same price or the same amount as the men's champion, $3 million. Now, that was not always the case. 50 years ago, uh, Billie Jean King fought for equal prize money and changed the future of women's sports. In 1972, she won her third U.S. Open, ninth major title, and 10 grand in prize money. Meanwhile, um, the, the the man that won the championship, his first major title, received twenty five grand, so uh, $15,000 more. And Billie Jean King said that doesn't make any sense, and so she got to work. And she created the Women's Tennis Association. And she went out and she secured, uh, secured uh, sponsorship from different companies to ensure equal funding for the U.S. Open women's and men's prizes. Love that. And As it, took, it should be. took 28 years before another Grand Slam, the Australian Open, committed to equal prize money for men and women. Even in 2023, the year we are in now, the year of the Barbie movie, Donna, some payouts for uh, men and, and women are different drastically. There's a big swing. At the Italian Open, men's prize money totaled about $8.4 million, women's $3.9 million. When Coco won the Cincinnati Open last month, she got about a half million dollars. The men's champion, Novak, uh, what's his name? Uh, Thank you. He got over a million. So uh, Coco got half. Yeah. But thanks to Billie Jean King and the Women's Tennis Association, that might change soon. Um, A lot of different ways they can they can find the money with uh, broadcast agreements and um, sponsors, all of that. So Billie Jean King is uh, and I dare say the charge. As many women are watching the U.S. Open as men, sure, you know. Tennis is, on a local level, I think tennis is an incredibly female-dominated sport, you know? So I know everybody I know was watching it and interested in it, and I don't know. Yeah, I just, just sent you pay a, us what we're worth. Well, it should be equal. Of course it should be. 
Yeah. I just text you a picture. He's so cute. Is that not a, just a gorgeous picture of Roscoe? Be cool, Trent. My little boy. Look at that nose, that big snout. Oh my God, he's just precious. He's I mean, the iPhones take great pictures, you know? Yeah, he's getting a little gray. He is, but he's getting older. He's getting but older. He just, you came over and gave him, took him for a ride Sunday. He genuinely holds hands. Yes. Like, I have a picture I have posted on my social media when I picked him up um, after he was boarded when Charlotte and I went to LSU. Louisiana. And he held hands with me the whole way home. And trust me when I say, and I know you'll say the same thing from yesterday, you know, you put your hand in the middle, but it's not like you're reaching over. I won't reach over and grab his paw because sometimes dogs are sensitive, and he kind of is with his little nails and his paw. So it's not like I'm making him hold hands. He puts his little paw up there, and he hooks it in with your hand. Does he or does he not? No, he does. Yeah. And he, he leans back in the seat mm-hmm. like he's just another human sitting over there. Did your warning, your, your seatbelt alarm go off? Yes. Okay. Drove me crazy Sunday. I mean, it didn't drive me crazy, but it was just irritating. But I kept Fords thinking. are very sensitive because Charlotte drives a Ford Bronco. and Well, not just any. Not just any. Bronco. Fayetteville Ford. It's a Fayetteville Ford, Ford Bronco. Bronco. Right. Her Didi got her. Um, but she, she belts him in. She's got this whole system that she does when she takes him over to fetch. Well, somebody said to me, do the belt, click the, bait, uh, the belt uh, behind him. Yeah. And have him like lean on it. Yeah, you know, their body. So there's she your quick fix. Man. There's your quick fix. Yes. Gallery Furniture, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. Ask for the Wolfman. Ask for Donna. Uh, if you missed Labor Day at Gallery Furniture, no big deal. Here's why. Here's why. Every day is like a sale at Gallery Furniture in Gainesville. Uh, it's it's not just days that end in Y, not just holidays, but every day that ends in Y, there's a great deal. There's a great bargain waiting on you. At Gallery Furniture, great, high-quality furniture for every room in your house Donna Jack. Yes, I was just up at Gallery last Friday um, before the weekend, and I was sat up there and talked to Donna for probably an hour, and Shane and Marilyn. You know, Donna and Marilyn went out to Vegas to see Adele. Really? Yes, and I was so proud of Donna because we were talking about, she was saying, you know, I saw where you and Charlotte went on a trip. You've been taking a lot of trips with her. And I said, yes. And this kind of dovetails back to what I was talking about with Leah, the lady. And that is, this has been, last year was kind of my year of getting Olivia settled, getting her out of high school, getting finding her the right college, us getting her where she needed to be and getting her launched. And this year is that for Charlotte. And I was saying to Don, I was telling her about meeting Leah, and I said, the one thing she also said to me was, she said, where, where is your, this was interesting, you know, when people ask you like a question, you're like, oh gosh. She was like, where's your heart right now? Where's all of, where's your time? Because where you put your time is what blooms. And I thought that was very interesting too. This Leah, she needs to like launch a motivational channel like Oprah. And I said, well, right now my time is with my youngest daughter. And she said, you'll never lay on your deathbed and regret that. And I was telling Donna that because Donna works all the time. If you go to Gallery Furniture, she's there seven days a week, unless she's taking her mom to the doctor, okay? But she did take off four days, and she said, it's the first time I've taken off four days in probably four or five years. And I thought, this is what makes this business so successful. Not because she works all the time, because that's not what we're telling you to do, but it's her passion and she cares so much for her employees. She cares so much for the community. And you know what? She's running this business. There's no 
it's not gallery furniture on the outside of the building, but it's really different people running the company. This is her company. This is a local business in Gainesville, Georgia. Just like many of you who are listening have local businesses. This is her local business. Shop local. She has the most beautiful, if you are into like, um, what's the outdoor, what's the show with, um, oh, with the Kevin Costner was on that everybody watches that we don't watch. Yellowstone. Okay. They have this couch and chair that looks like it would be in Beth Dutton's house. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is so, it's like cowhide, Caddy. Love that. And it is amazing. But it's that tight leather. It's not like the loosey-goosey kind. And it's so fancy, but it's so like Western. If you have like a cabin or a mountain house or even just for your basement, like a man cave, this thing is perfect. Perfect for you. And she's got it on the floor right now. Instagram is a great place to go see the furniture that arrives every week. Brand new inventory every week on uh, six, seven different trucks that arrive weekly at Gallery Furniture. On Instagram, the follow is at Ask for Wolfman Furniture. Ask for Donna. Gallery Furniture Gainesville. Many thanks to uh, our sponsors, AwesomeAlpharetta.com. Come play a while, stay a while. Awesome Alpharetta. Delta, Atlanta's hometown airline. T-Mobile, home internet, 50 bucks a month. Yes, you can get that. T-Mobile.com. Fayetteville Ford, home of the lifetime powertrain warranty. Fayetteville Ford, GA.com. And Brightmore Hospice, Brightmore Healthcare, <laughs> BrightmoreHealthcare.com. Let's talk about Zach Bryan. He's a new country artist. Uh, not new to, to some folks, newer to some, we'll say, uh, from, from Texas and Oklahoma area. Right, Donna? The Midwest. Yeah, he's a Midwestern boy. He's a cowboy, he thinks. He's kind of of the ilk of a Bailey Zimmerman or um, uh, Parker uh, McCollum. Nathan where, Smith. Nathan Smith. Yeah, exactly where he's been developed and discovered through streaming. Right. And his music is not like theirs. I'm not saying that. But the younger kids are obsessed with that, Brian. He's, now, uh, I think he's a little... He's, Debbie Downer, he, he's salty, he's, he's, he's cocky, he's a lot of things. He was arrested last Thursday night in Oklahoma by the Oklahoma State Highway Patrol. Um, he was arrested and, and posted bond and has since apologized. The story begins three days prior to last Thursday, which would be, Donna, uh, we'll say Tuesday. Uh, he was uh, driving and, and was pulled over and just got irritated with the police officer who pulled him over and Said some ugly things, apparently. Then he was headed to see Boston, I believe. No. Uh, bu- 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 Philadelphia Phil- Eagles. Yes, he's a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. So he was headed to Philly to see the, the Eagles play. And he was driving when he noticed his tour manager, who was traveling behind him, got pulled over. So he pulled over to the side of the road as well. And a Oklahoma Highway Patrolman got a little uh, sassy, as did Zach Bryan, though. And um, here's the exchange, or part of the exchange, from last Thursday. That uh, wound up with uh, Zach Bryan in the slammer. This is the second time this has happened to me in three days, actually. Because cops have just been like way too brutal on me. Can you please take these handcuffs off me, sir? I will. If you let me finish up this traffic stop, I don't. There's no need for me to be handcuffs, actually. Yeah, you're on right now. Uh, there is because you're interfering with my traffic stop, sir. And you wouldn't let me finish. This is why people do not like police officers. I was just an idiot, and I'll take the fall for it. I'm a grown man, and I shouldn't have behaved like that, and it won't happen again. Seems very uh, dismissive to me. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't really care, you know. Like he's he's almost he, being yeah. forced to make the apology. Well, I don't think he was. I don't think anybody told him to do it, but I think he wanted to get in front of it. So 
it's almost like, it's like when you do something wrong to someone, you're like, I mean, I apologize. I don't know what else you want me to do. Okay, well, how about not doing it? You know, it's just almost like he, I think he thinks the apology takes away everything that happened, you know? Uh, here is a, one more piece of audio. This is audio from the dash cam video from the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Right now, he let me out handcuffs. Well, if you don't, it's going to be a mistake, sir. I promise. He's telling, did you hear that? If you don't, it's going to be a mistake, sir. It's going to be a mistake, sir. I let 40 deputies go to a VIP show. Like, this is just insane. I didn't say that. Second time it's happened in three days. He's off right hand, truly. I think he's, um, I just, I think that you respect the badge no matter what the situation is. You may not respect the person necessarily, the officer, but you must respect the badge. It was Tug Coward. We talk about Tug a lot on this podcast. Tug and I used to do mornings in Atlanta for, uh, man, probably 10, 13, 15 years at the former Kix 115, one of the largest country stations in America when we were there. And uh, Tug always said about the president, he said, you don't have to respect the man. You have to respect the office. And I always, I, I carried that with me uh, when Tug landed that one. Um, you don't have to respect the man. You must respect the office of the president of the United States at all costs. It's a respect thing. I, I think that applies to law enforcement. I think the first responders, everybody. I mean, how about this? How about people, just everyday people in life that you pass? Respect. Uh, but but certainly law enforcement. And I think that uh, I think he got mouthy. I think he got cocky. Um, and I think he's always been that way. But I think that, that, that he thinks he's above the law. Yeah, and I think for that group of young, especially guys, I don't know as many young. Well, there are a lot of young girls who are who like him as well. But he seems to have really struck a chord with like the 18 to 25-year-old male situation. Sure. And I think. I know a lot of them. You were, we were reading some comments on the morning show this morning. There were a lot of people who were basically kind of in a comedic way coming after him. Like you should be in jail for the ticket prices for your tour because he is coming and headlining Mercedes Benz next year on his tour that he is headlining. But a lot of people were saying that, but a lot of his fans, I saw a lot of the comments from, I'm sure younger guys were like, don't worry about it. You know, everybody makes mistakes. You know, we still love you and all this stuff. And, Zach was married. He was in the Navy, and he married a woman that was in the Navy with him, too. And um, they divorced, allegedly, Cadillac Jack, because Mm -hmm. he stepped out on her while he was in Italy. Um, There's also rumors that when his career took off, he, you know, decided he didn't need his old wife anymore. Um, But she has never talked about it. And the reason she said she refuses to talk about it is because no matter what she says, his fans are going to come to his defense. Right. And jump on her like, you know what? I don't even know what, but something. And she's like, I just don't need it. Because this man, no matter what he does, his fans are going to think he's the greatest thing in the world. And so, you know, now he is supposedly dating, um, what's her name? The chicken girl from. The chicken girl. Barstool Sports. The old saying is, any press is good press. And I think that applies now more than ever. And I think that, that, that Zach Bryan. If you stop 10 people on uh, Highway 54 outside the Cadillac and Donna Jack broadcast facility, if you stop 10 people, I think uh, two, if two, could identify Zach Bryan. Um, he's, he's got a swell right now. He's got, a, he's got a lot of buzz, a lot of static about him. Uh, but he does appeal to the younger demo. Um, and he's selling out what? He played Duluth, Georgia, Gwinnett County, Guess South Arena. Um, sold out to what nine, ten thousand tickets, I believe. 
Yeah. You know, if he's in Texas, he could sell out AT&T Stadium in Dallas. You know, if you're if you're a huge artist in Texas, uh, people love you, you know, and, and they, they sell out your shows. There's rather disappointing, I would imagine, to some Texas artists when they get to other parts of the country where they're not familiar. You know, they're, they're not a familiar artist. And, and so there might be 100, 200, 300 people at their shows. Uh, I think Zach is getting ready to to hit the next level. I think that he's getting ready to 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 graduate to the next level of uh, at least recognition in country music. And the story will help. And it sucks because of the context of the story. But the, the saying does apply here, I think. Yeah. No press is bad press. There's no such thing. Yeah, that's his girlfriend I just sent you a picture of. That's old chicken fry. She's a, what's she do for Barstool? She has some, she's on a show. Like a oh, wow. Show. Goodness gracious. Quite a contrast. Yes, indeed. Next episode of Cadillac Jack, my second act, Donna. We're going to do Dead or Not Dead. There have been a lot of celebrity deaths lately. Uh, Jimmy Buffett, uh, the guy who wrote Dreamweaver. What's his name? Uh, Harry, uh, Harry, Harry Chapin or something. Uh, Dreamweaver. Weaver. Charlie Robeson. Uh, Charlie Robeson, yes, from uh, Texas. Uh, former husband of. Who I said that was he was married to. Um, Natalie Maines. No, he was not married to Natalie Maines. Natalie Maines was married to that to the guy that was a Hollywood actor that she roasted. Charlotte and I were just listening to Dixie Chicks Radio in um, New Orleans. And so many songs from that last album came up. Have you ever really listened to that album? It's fantastic no, where she just takes him down. You're a gaslighter, gaslighter. I mean, it's like you're singing along to it, and then mm-hmm. you listen to the words, and you're like, holy dukes, she's torching him. Man. No, it was the other Dixie chick. Marty. Nope, the other one. I oh, said Marty, goodness. but it's the other one. Marty, Natalie, Marty, and because I was the fourth Dixie chick, you remember, back in the day. Um, the celebrities. All right. Uh, dead or not dead. We have a running. It's not a joke. It's not a gag. We're not making fun of death by any stretch. But but we have problems when we talk about celebrities on the podcast or radio show. We have problems if if knowing if they're dead or not dead. We can't say dead or alive because of a potential lawsuit from John Bon Jovi because of that huge hit he sings. But but we we just don't know if people are dead or not dead, and so we turn it into a a bit, which maybe is sacrilegious, and 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 we make I don't know. Maybe we don't do it. What do you think, Don? Jimmy Buffett just passed away. Jimmy Buffett would be another. All right, I'm in. Dead or not dead, next episode. It's poor taste. It's great. It's great. Are you kidding? Cadillac Jack Mike. Anything that's in poor taste. Fantastic. What do you want to do? Top of the show. Cadillac Jack My Second Act, Tuesdays and Thursdays, the App and Podcast Network. Then catch us on the radio. Atlanta's The Bear 925, weekday mornings, 530 till 10 Eastern. Search for The Bear 925 in the Apple App Store or Google Play and join us. Let's wake up together. What do you say? Weekday mornings, Cadillac and Donna. Our thanks to executive producers Carl Appen and Hans Appen and the Appen Podcast Network. Production assistance from Steve Mitchell and Ingo Studios in Atlanta. I-N-G-O. Ingo Studios in Atlanta. Steve does a great job with uh, the radio uh, syndication and, and the podcast, and we appreciate his help and support and being on our team. And we appreciate you listening to the podcast every week, too. Do us a favor. Uh, just uh, run into three people this week. In the next seven days, find three people in your circle or outside your circle that you can introduce this podcast to. It would mean the world to us. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday. Cadillac Jack, my second act part of the Appen Podcast Network.